0: Howdy, and welcome to the 3 True Outcomes Baseball Podcast, presented by Baseball Perspectives. I'm your host, Ian Lefkowitz, and joining me, as always, it's Ben Murphy. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ian. How are you? Joining us from our nation's capital, it's Jared Weiss. Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing? Thanks. Uh, We have to get this trade on the station, because, you know, a lot of trades, a lot of free agent signings, what have you. Uh, You know, it's been kind of the busiest... Oh, wait, sorry, sorry. That's basketball. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Totally confused. In baseball, nothing has happened for two weeks.
1: (laughs) The Homer Derby was exciting.
2: Right. It's very sad for baseball that basketball is, like, literally more exciting when there's no games going on.
0: Um, Yeah, so we're going to break that down a little bit. Um, We're delighted to be back. Fair warning, this one may not have a ton of sheet content in it. But uh, we'll try to load it up first, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about the All-Star game a little bit about some of the news that has been coming out of baseball in the last week or so, and uh, then get out of here. Um, but before that, uh, let me turn it over to the mailbag captain. Uh, Jared,
1: how's the mailbag? It's looking a little light again, but we got one, only one, in the weeks that we were gone. Well, that's on us. But what is that one? <laughs> the question comes from Jacob, who would like us to evaluate a trade he made recently. He traded away Anthony Rendon, Aaron Nola, Mike Soroka, Ross Stripling, Jacob Webb, and Harrison Bader, and got back Cody Bellinger, Luke Weaver, and a round 36 pick. What do you think of that deal? So,
0: it's a lot going on, right? Um, There's
1: a lot, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what this is, is kind of the uh, four nickels for a quarter uh trade except one of the nickels is like a 20 cent piece and one of them is
1: maybe a dot but you know
0: whatever the analogy is where wait—is the, the
1: 20 cent piece counterfeit or better than a nickel
0: i don't know like i don't ask me about money
1: <laughs> it does sound counterfeit <laughs> since well you know yeah
0: you can venmo me the results of this trade later but <laughs> um what like what I think we're asking here is uh, whether the difference between Anthony Rendon and Cody Bellinger is worth the remainder of this trade.
1: Yeah. Cool. Cause we always talk about consolidating and trying to get the best player in the deal. And I think we'd all agree that Cody Bellinger is the best player in the deal, yeah. but it's a lot to give up for Cody Bellinger.
0: Right. Right. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I think it is kind of a little bit dependent on how many keepers you have, right? And a little bit on how you feel about some of these pitchers in particular. Um, you know, I would say certainly Jacob Webb and Harrison Bader are probably more one-year picks it's starting to look like, especially with Bader. Um, but it kind of breaks down to Aaron Nolan, Mike Soroka, and Ross Stripling versus... That difference plus Luke Weaver. Um, And then, so, you know, breaking down player by player, Mike Soroka is out over his skis, but he appears to have the knack for pitching. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think we are talking like long-term number two starter. Uh, Aaron Nola has almost completely lost it, but he had it and uh, Ross Stripling is probably a number two, number three starter on the Dodgers which is probably the most frustrating organization in which to own said starter um, you know, I think the Dodgers and the Astros are probably the two teams where I've pretty much, in my head devalued all of their starters a round or two at this point um, outside of, you know the actual aces
2: is that because of Just, usage, Ian? Because it seems like um, they
0: get good performance out of their pitchers. Yeah, performance. I would say the challenge of the uncertainty of having them in the playoffs in particular.
2: Okay. Yeah, so it's usage, especially down the stretch.
0: Yeah. You know, I think Ross Stripling is somebody who inherently moves to the pen by September and therefore is a reliever, which is not the worst thing in the world to have, and he'll help you. During the season, but yeah. um, it's kind of a challenge. They, uh, you know, those teams both have so much talent at this point. Although a lot of it's vaporized on Houston this year, but um, you know, with the Dodgers, I think uh, getting struggling into the rotation is a challenge. Um, that said, you know, I would rather have Nolan Syroka over Weaver, and. I think it's pretty close to the difference between Rendon and Bellinger. Um, One of the things I've been noticing, you know, uh, Fangraphs released their midseason top 50, uh, or I guess 50 futures this week, which was interesting. Baseball Perspectives uh, released their, obviously, uh, minor league update, which I thought was fascinating as well. Um, Both great, but uh, focusing on Fangraphs for a moment, they did a draft of... The top 50 players in baseball, top 30 players in baseball. And what a lot of the commenters noticed was that 28 and 29 year olds uh, in the 2012 draft, the last draft they did, were like just tanked. Even if they were like the absolute superstars in the game. And, you know, I think people kind of underestimated how quickly they could hit the cliff. So I think there is a chance that Bellinger is worth a lot more than Rendon. um, Which is... You know, all that to say, I think I would personally rather the Rendon Nola Soroka side, hmm. but um, you know, I I see where it is coming from. Put it that way. Yeah,
2: I think I would definitely rather have the Bellinger side, um, but I, I I'm surprised because I expected you also to come down on the Bellinger side. I think the age gap between Bellinger and Rendon alone would be enough for me, but I think. Um, I guess the performance difference is big enough that I think we can say, like, Bellinger's a better hitter today, and he's, what, six years younger? Yeah, six years younger. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, the other players are good. I also took a second to look up um, Jacob's team. This is for NL340, um, and he's in last place, so he's sort of rebuilding, and it seems like... Um, this is a good rebuilding kind of trade you're like I agree. consolidating your talent. And I agree. Um, I'm assuming since it's a public league that, you know, it's a normal hard 13 keeper system, but, uh, even if he can't fill up those slots, he can trade them for, you know, early, um, draft picks next spring and keep building that way. So,
0: yeah. And we, Luke Weaver is certainly more than a flyer. He uh, deserves mention as an, definitely something of a keeper starter uh, that's the guy that i
2: asked about that you said has like shoulder and elbow problems yes okay yes
0: just checking um (laughs) on on his way back but uh yeah has a could be going down for tommy john surgery in a month as well yeah but you know so could any of these pitchers? um
2: Uh, yeah but i think i'm gonna bet on the one that's already had arm issues like recently to be more likely
0: I I guess what I would be betting on is that Soroka and Nola are strong enough that it's giving up a lot. Um, But, right, like you said, if you're a rebuilder, I think any quality pitcher is a little less valuable to you. Yeah. So, you know, I see where this is coming from.
2: It's probably a good uh, example of a win-win. Both teams get something for what they need. and um, Yeah, I think... Since we can obviously see it either side,
0: good, fair yeah. trade. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, not to pivot from this, but uh, next few weeks uh, are going to be trade season. So, you know, if you have any other trades that you'd like us to evaluate, either privately or publicly, uh, feel free to send them to us. What is our
1: email address? Scoresheet Melo- at com. Thank you, Melo Beck, Captain. <laughs> You're welcome. I was going to bring up that Fangraphs uh, series on the next podcast if we needed something, because we've got so much content for this one. <laughs> I was wondering uh, what you thought of their Wander Franco uh, position.
0: Um, Wander Franco, who was drafted, I, I want to say fourth? I don't have it pulled up, but it was eighth. Uh, eighth. Okay, it was like extremely high.
1: Uh, or low. I was wondering if you thought he should be picked like zero, like yeah, he should be not considered for this because obviously he'd be the first.
0: Yeah, so this is, um, and their conceit was value over the next ten years, team irrespective, I believe, which actually makes it a really good analog for score sheet So again, yeah, that's the way because
1: yeah, and they threw out the contracts as well, so it doesn't matter what their current contract was.
0: Yeah, um, you know, again, I I think. To me it felt a little uh a little uh, aggressive just because players like uh I think Juan Soto were still on the board you know yeah uh, th- there were players of an equal age with kind of a stronger performance record in the I mean, major leagues
2: yeah I mean he he went eight so basically everybody else was still there uh yes. <laughs> I know Soto went sixteen.
1: Vladito went uh, 18. I thought it was interesting. Fernando Tatis went uh, before uh, Vlad Guerrero. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can
0: see it. You know, I think uh, Keith Law went out on a limb in the preseason, and uh, he's looking pretty good right now. Um, I I do think Fernando Tatis is a little out over his skis performance-wise, though, as well. Just, you know, that is... (laughs) kind of not supported by any uh, you know his peripherals or any stat cast type metrics Mm -hmm. so you know I I don't want to say like he's extremely exciting so you know you can only the hype train only goes so far down but um, this might be the high water mark for drafting Fernando Tatis in the next
2: is that the worst pick in the first 15
0: uh, I think, in this case, uh, the consensus was, and I, I kind of agree with it, that Anthony Rendon was the worst pick
1: okay. in the first 15. He remains the most underrated player. Except in this draft. Except in this draft. <laughs> uh, where and I guess we can link
0: to this, but he was taken fourth, uh, yeah. I, I believe, fifth. right? He was one fifth? fifth okay. Yeah. So, who was taken fourth? Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. Yeah, Cody Bellinger's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that would suggest directly that, that relevant person would not make that trade. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think that was where a lot of people, I think, flagged that as good as Rendon is, it's a little too aggressive on him. Yeah. Um, which, I, I agree, you know, hes I don't think he's that much lower than fifth, but uh, yeah, I wasn't going to draft him fifth in the mock draft this offseason either. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty
2: surprised to see Matt Chapman at 13. I guess maybe... I always just sort of assume that I'm ignorant and or wrong, but curious to hear, is Matt Chapman at 13 weird? Again, um, like, guys that went after him, basically everybody else, but especially Juan Soto, Vladito, yeah, uh, I, Xander Bogarts, I, Aaron Judge...
0: Carlos Correa. I think yeah. like um you know, I think you could argue some players. I think Matt Chapman has definitely helped himself this year. And uh us who specifically chose Jose Ramirez over Matt Chapman this offseason mm-hmm. do not feel great about Matt Chapman in this moment.
1: Gotcha. Um you know yeah, I, I think, think it's defensible. I don't think it's a pick that any any of us would make, but Right. I okay. think you could defend it. Maybe not for score sheet.
0: Yeah, although the one thing I like about Matt Chapman with score sheet is uh, he's going to have a pretty choice
1: defensive rating. Yeah, but is it going to be choice enough? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, one of the, like if you see the way that shortstop, you know, uh, I guess shortstop offense is on the rise. Uh, shortstops are going to hit over. 100 OPS plus this year. Um, you know, I think there's kind of not that third base isn't deep too, but it um, looks like Chapman
2: has the best rating, like kind of going away at third base. Oh, no, yeah. Arenado's close, but after the two of them, it's Travis really Shaw it. and then pretty big drop off. So
0: <laughs> I don't think we're going to worry. Too much about Travis Shaw's defensive rating in the future.
2: <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Ooh. Uh, not a great moment. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have a huge problem with the match happen being there in real life and certainly not on score sheet. Cool. Um, yeah, any any other takeaways? I We didn't have this in our uh, rundown, such as it is, but, you know. Yeah.
2: No, I asked the questions I was
1: thinking already. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can compare it to the mock draft uh, next time around.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see how players move. Uh, if you have any questions about that, we'll take those too.
2: Yeah. Hit us with All your right. hot takes about it.
0: <laughs> um, so in the meantime, uh, this this week, has, we baseball has been off for most of the week. Although I did really appreciate... Um, that, you know, I opened up the, uh, you know, my, uh, scoreboard about 20 minutes into the return of baseball yesterday and the Orioles had already given up, uh, nine runs, yep. I want to say, in the, in the top of the first inning, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at some level, um, <laughs> You know, I feel like 29 teams really did come at the second half with, like, a brand-new, fresh start.
1: <laughs> Look, it's not their fault. Dylan Bunny was pitching, and he was hurt. They immediately put him on the IL. Yeah. <laughs> how long do you think it took
0: for them to come up with the injury?
1: I assume they put him on with fatigue, like, fatigue. They're fatigued of watching him pitch.
0: Yeah, whiplash. ha Um, no, I, you know, I don't know that we had the greatest of off seasons in terms of, uh, prognostication, but, uh, Dylan Bundy is trash. <laughs> Looks about as good as Jerickson Profar is trash. <laughs> 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 Those are two for our belt. Um, but yeah, so we had the, uh, all-star break, um, including the Futures game, which unfortunately I have not watched yet. So I, I may have some takes, uh, in the next two weeks, but I doubt it. I did watch, for what it's worth, I did watch the uh, California League All Star Game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why did well you as watch Texas, that? Why did you watch Star- well the Texas Futures All
0: Star Game, game uh, earlier earlier this month? Oh, but
1: timing. Uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm not not crazy. Ian's <laughs> like the hipster of Futures Game watching. <laughs> like the Futures game's too mainstream. <laughs>
0: So there's an interesting That's so thing. On point. There's an interesting <laughs> so thing about point. minor league all-star games that a that lot of nobody people else... do not. Watch. Yeah, because they don't uh, fucking watch them. Yeah, because <laughs> who cares? And those of you who don't watch minor league all-star games may not know, uh, but but for me, a person who watches minor league all-star games, um, interesting thing that you may not know is that. Uh, Minor League All-Star games are kind of, the rosters are picked kind of the same way Major League All-Star games are. Like, based on the player having the best third of a season. Nice. Which is, you know, interesting, except for the part where it's, like, all 25-year-olds in the All-Star game. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, of course they're having a good season, and they, you know, like, the pitcher who's starting the, like, every Minor League All-Star game is always the guy going, like, eight and two. It's like the. It was really like the last bastion of the, <laughs> the one loss record. Yeah. Nice. Um, no, it, it was a it was a pretty good. Um, I like a pretty good all star game. Uh, it came, you know, a uh, lot of talent, a lot of talent in both leagues. Um, yeah, but that's not the future today. So that leaves us with uh, the all star game and the home run derby. Uh, So we can talk about the All-Star game quickly. Uh, What did everyone think of the All-Star game?
1: What All-Star game? (laughs) It was disappointing, but it went really quickly. They finished, I think, in under three hours. (laughs) I did hear that, actually. All right. Well, You you won't be surprised to learn that the way that I watched the All-Star game, it was actually kind of exciting because I was watching to see if they would acknowledge the existence of John Means. They did not. But, like, the whole time, just sitting there wondering, hey, like, are they going to pan to him? Is he going to warm up? Is there any, like, what are the chances he gets? What are the, the coincidences that are going to have to happen to, for John Means to get in this game? Like, is the game going to have to go, like, 37 innings before he gets in? <laughs> so, like, that that was exciting, I thought. I was, wait, I was Jared, really hoping
0: wait. somewhere on the board there would be a, um, like, a prop bet on whether John Means gets into the game.
1: <laughs> Who's, who is John Means? <laughs> John Means Business. Uh, he's the Orioles' uh, lone All-Star representative because... Only what? Uh, Troy Mancini yeah. was truly snubbed. <laughs> um, but yes, he's... Uh, John Means is one of the best pitchers in the American League if you go by ERA and don't look at any other <laughs> statistic whatsoever. But going by ERA, he is one of the best pitchers in the American League who has not yet quite qualified for the title because he doesn't have enough innings. But okay. that aside, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League. So we should Over check
2: that at the end of the season, he'll certainly be in the lead and qualify for the
0: ERA. There team. is
1: no doubt in my mind. No doubt, okay. Good. I Except- mean,
0: if you project it out, yeah, or you know, double <laughs> the numbers, right. it's going to great. <laughs> Uh great.
2: I was... Sorry, we done talking about the All Star Game, or is there more? No, I have got nothing. I it's like loosely it. related to the All Star Break. So I like the All Star Breaks like a time to sort of check in on the season and see like what's going on. So especially because I don't follow baseball that much anymore, I was poking around on the MLB.com news page, and there's this story that says Reds in new teri- territory heading into deadline, and the like above the fold blurb is like. Uh, Dick Williams and the club are in a position to add players before the trade deadline. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." The Reds are in contention, and so then I pull up the standings. They're in last place. Yeah,
1: but it's close. Okay, and if you look like, at their run differential, they should be doing better.
2: Okay. Oh yeah, they're plus run. Okay,
0: but like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reds in position to add to their you know not as bad as you think. Last place team.
1: <laughs> yeah. Why won't you let them have this?
0: <laughs> because it's insane. <laughs> it's a really bad decision. Yeah. They should sell.
2: Yeah. It's criminal.
0: Um They yeah. could sell and make the playoffs anyway, given that, you know, they're counting on like random bounces to break their way. Anybody could get those random
2: bounces. Um the last time we talked about the standings, Minnesota was doing really well, and you guys promised me it was just because they had beaten up on the Orioles,
0: but they're still doing really well. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. Uh, they have... Um, they did beat the Orioles a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember.
1: We don't have to rehash that.
0: Uh, the Twins have the most home runs uh, at, at this point in the season in Major League history. Nice. Um all of them off the Orioles, surprisingly.
2: I know that's not true because I saw another news story about. Yes. Sorry. Uh, All but five off yes. the Orioles. <laughs> I saw. So, yeah, where is it? Uh, Trevor Bauer has given up a home run in the last five played appearances by Max Kepler. Is that right? Yep. Yes. It's pretty hilarious.
1: I can't imagine he's happy about that. <laughs>
2: Has he tweeted about it? That's what it really is. That's how you know yeah. it's, like, burning his... It's like keeping him up at night. He's, like, 4 a.m. tweets about...
0: Yeah, no, but if some woman harasses him or lied about it, he'll, he'll tweet about it a bunch. Yeah. Sorry. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, um, baseball's fun. Um Yeah, so that leaves the Home Run Derby, right. uh, which is the one thing that all of us watched. And if, if you said to me... Wait, no, no, like, I didn't.
2: I didn't watch. I just oh. know about what happened.
0: Sorry, I hate to disappoint you. But you were you were actually chatting with us during the derby, weren't you? I guess about nothing. Huh? <laughs> Maybe, but I wasn't watching. That's what fair. night was it again? That's fair.
2: Okay, no worries. No, no, wait. Which night was it, was it? I can tell you what I was doing. Monday, Monday uh, night? Uh, was it Monday night? Oh, I don't think I was doing anything Monday night. I was just not <laughs> once. Okay. <the game>. So,
0: <laughs> so while you get your schedule uh, in order. Um, no, it's that's no. it. No, the home run derby has become the most exciting part of the All Star game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I am shocked by this. Because uh, there they was a really good I job. Liked. There they was like, nothing I liked less. Yeah. Yeah, they completely revamped it and
2: now it's it's good. Uh, I heard some people complaining about how Like, Vlad Jr. should have won, and they need to figure out a better way to, like, fix the elimination part of it. What do you guys think? Do you think the, like, bracket style is good?
0: I think the bracket style is a little goofy. But, you know, I I think the, like, three-point challenge has it right, where, you know, top four, top two. Yeah. Uh go uh go nuts. But you know, I don't care too much. Rackets work. It adds it adds uh, you know, the walk off in every round.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I and, mean yeah. I, I think I don't think it matters. I don't think anyone really cares who wins and I think Vlad is what everyone remembers, so it worked. Yeah. I heard some other people talking about that, how
2: like um a few years back in New York, I think it was when like Josh Hamilton went on a tear and then like didn't end up winning. It was like, nobody talks yeah. about anything except the, like, Oh, Josh Hamilton was so entertaining. Yeah, so,
0: yeah. The thing that got me of course was, um, which, you know, I'm not the first to point this out. Um, you know, the record for home runs hit and around in the home run derby was broken. Was it four times? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, there might be a problem with the ball. Just going to put that out there.
1: (laughs) Problem? Seems like it's working just fine.
2: Are we going to segue to what Verlander said? Because I totally want to talk about what Verlander said.
0: Uh, I wasn't, but go ahead.
2: Uh, So as I understand it, I've only heard the quote, like, reread a couple times. He basically just, like, dressed down MLB, like, how can you possibly say that there's nothing with the ball, and if there is, it's, like, not your doing, right? Um, Yeah. And I just thought, I was like, oh, this is excellent. This is, like, clearly a guy that's gotten to the point in his career where he's, like, definitely not going to give any flips about whatever the commissioner thinks when he hears this and is saying what everybody's thinking. Uh, has there been any, like, official response? Or are they just going to, like, ignore it and hope it goes away?
0: Um, no, there was no official response. Uh, Rob Brownfred said that he was going to commission a study. To look
2: into it, nice. Did you tell him you could just look online at all the studies people have already done? <laughs> no, I was, I was joking. Unfortunately,
0: uh. Uh, he says he says that um, uh, he says that there is an issue with the ball, but it was not intentional. <laughs> so completely accidental. Systemic cool, change. right? Right, and uh, obviously. The problem is, of course, that their hands are tied, and yes. uh, they cannot possibly in any way make new baseballs right. between now and the end of the season. You know, baseballs do not exist. How, how does one make a baseball, even?
1: <laughs>
2: and if there were somebody making baseballs, it's certainly nobody that MLB has any kind of contact with, let yeah. alone control over.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh, have we talked... If anyone, like, thinks there are too many home runs? I'm of two minds. I don't. It doesn't really, really bother me, to be perfectly candid. Some of the other stuff, uh, ancillary to it, uh, is kind of taking a little enjoyment away. But the home runs themselves, I don't know.
1: Beats outs. <laughs> that's true. I, I don't think I'm necessarily opposed to the home runs. It yeah. gets the Orioles in the news. That's something. But, <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, call me Abe, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily believe that it was intentional. Hmm. I I, just, or at least not for like an owner's wide thing. It's hard for, It's hard for me to believe that the owners would get together and be like, you know what, like we oh, should no, tweak the ball just a no, little no, bit. No, they're, no,
2: not. I, I agree that the owners didn't like get together. I think it's more like yeah. the commissioner like left a sticky note on somebody's door that was like, Homer's good, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I haven't looked into it obviously but my sense from what I heard is that the overall run environment hasn't changed it's just redistributed the way that runs are scored is that correct
0: right. More or less yeah
2: So I think there's like something to think about in terms of like what is the game you want to watch that like that I think is why you hear uh old school sports writers grumpy about this that like you know doubles and sack flies are... Going the way of the dodo, uh, yeah. I mean,
0: I would say it's not only old school sports writers. I, I you know, I believe on effectively wild, uh, the the hosts have come out and said too many homers.
2: they they're taking the stance, huh? It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like it, it seems to me like the people who are going to watch baseball are going to watch regardless, and the people who aren't. Aren't and this isn't gonna move the needle for people.
0: Yeah. Um and so my my thoughts on the was this intentional thing. I kinda agree with you it wasn't intentional, but they sure haven't stopped it. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) And I don't think it's that hard. (laughs) Like I think they could have done it if they wanted to. So on some level, okay, you could say it wasn't intentional,
1: but like Yeah. But it's hard to imagine the powers that be changing anything once the season has started. Like, that seems very not what baseball does. No, that's true. Except in 2015, when they juiced all the balls in, <laughs> <laughs> in the first place.
0: Uh, that's yeah. funny. So, but yes, no, I, I hear you. But, you know, in between, I would say, 2018 and 2019, like, this didn't start in the offseason.
1: Yeah. Sure.
0: So... <laughs> um you know anyway um i think kind of related to that you uh ben you had an article that you wanted to bring up and talk about a little bit right did i
2: oh the one about the labor yeah Yeah. um yeah so you know i was in the process of getting ready to talk about baseball and trying to become more informed about the goings-on and found a piece i i don't remember i think it might have been on It's on USA Today. It was. It's on USA Today. It was
0: written by Bob Nightingale. There we go. Okay. Isn't? Um. Yeah. You know, interesting columnist.
2: Right. We can just get into. So basically, the thing that was interesting to me is there's a bunch of players quoted in the thing as basically saying, "We're ready for a strike if that's what it takes to get the, I guess, financial and contractual stuff restructured to." meet our expectations uh and they're basically acknowledging that the economics of the game as currently constructed mean that young players are underpaid relative to their value and for a while that was fine because the veteran mlb players when they hit free agency would basically get rewarded for what they had done and not what they were going to do And then all the teams sort of collectively evolved to the point where they're like, wait, that's kind of dumb. Why would we do that? Instead of just bringing in more young players that are undervalued. And they started doing that. And so then all the old players are like, hey, wait a second. Why is all the young players uh, so undervalued? And so uh, as I understand it, now they're talking about trying to make it so that the younger players get something closer to what they deserve, I guess. And obviously there's some consternation about teams not signing free agents and especially players that uh, I guess had some type of draft pick compensation attached to them. Um, right. There were, was it Kimbrell and Keichel this past off season? Is that right? They're like both went unsigned for much longer than anybody thought they should be based on talent. Um, and, and I thought it was really interesting for two reasons. The first was it seemed to me like the first time that I could remember reading quotes by players that acknowledged the manifestation of like the current CBA and did it in a way that acknowledged what the actual motivation was for the teams to be like, okay, we realize that because of the way that you know players pre ARB and then like pre free agency are paid, it means that you know those are a relative bargain for the teams, and so the teams are going to you know shift their resources accordingly. Uh, whereas before, like all the complaining that I'd ever heard was just like, you know, why aren't you paying us? Or like, you know, we're not yeah. getting what we're worth or whatever else. Um, and then they were very, so that was the first thing it was just like, they seem to finally have realized like, oh, they're doing this because it's in their best interest. And not only that, but it's because of the CBA that we all agreed to. Uh, yeah.
0: And just to cut in here, I, yeah, go I ahead. A quote pulled up from Clayton Kershaw Yeah, he said, um, our free agency structure and our salary structure is that teams have a right not to pay guys when they're getting older. Mm-hmm. The analytics say to pay guys in their prime, the younger guys. Mm-hmm. So if that's not going to happen anymore, we've got to find a way to get these guys paid during their peak years if they're not going to be rewarded on the way out, Yeah, which I think is what you were saying.
2: Yeah, that was exactly. Yeah, no, that's a good yeah. quote. Thank you. Um, yeah. And the second thing was that they were so directly brazen about Making it clear that they were preparing to strike, basically. Um, not in a, I mean, I guess partially in like a threatening way, but in a like, we realized that this is the reality of what we will probably have to do because of the circumstances of like the leverage that doesn't really exist the way that they would want it to without striking, essentially. Um, at least that's how I read it. And so I'd be curious to hear not just that first point, but also like for that second point, what you guys think in terms of, you know, I guess from my perspective, like this is the first time I've heard them say those things, those two things so directly. Um, but it also makes me wonder what's going to happen. And, you know, the first one sort of points to like, Oh, maybe we'll get a CBA that makes a little bit more sense in terms of fewer perverse or unintended consequences. And, um, that to me is like a a good thing. Um, but then the second thing is sort of like, well, are the players... If the players end up striking, is that really going to uh, lead to, like, a constructive set of negotiations or not? And, like, maybe they really have no choice, so maybe it doesn't matter. But anyway, I'll stop rambling now. What do you guys think?
0: Um, Jared, anything? Uh
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting to hear it. I, I think it's a, a lot of cheap talk. I think that my my biggest concern right now is that anything to make these kinds of changes is going to be a a rather significant change to how things operate, I think. I don't think I, I personally see a little tweak that would fix any of this. And I haven't heard any plans being floated. Not that plans need to be floated publicly, necessarily, but it worries me a little bit that I haven't heard any plans that seem viable being discussed right now. And I think that has to happen sooner rather than later. And without that, to me, that suggests that we might be heading for a strike or something bad.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it is interesting to me that what you are saying is kind of coming true. That the owners and the players association have kind of negotiated on clampdown on first year players, you know, have not really paid minor leaguers have instituted restrictions on the bonus pools in the draft and the international draft and the international market. And now owners are not, uh, and you know, teams are not kind of, um, paying older free agents as much. And all of this is rational, but you see the money leeching away from the system and from the players. And there's no place where they can get recompense right now. Right. Um, especially since they do not have a cap unlike other uh, sports where they kind of can peg their uh, revenue to kind of the revenue of the game you know and I think you know labor law not my expertise but I think that's kind of been the issue is that sure there's no salary cap but there's also no salary floor and um, you know this is a lot, of, a lot of the ramifications you're seeing are from that. Uh, but it has been interesting, like, reading this article in concert with watching the most exciting professional sports offseason of all time play mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. one sport away. Um, and, I, you know, as, as a primary baseball fan, but at, at this point I would say almost dual sport fan, um, you know, I was kind of wondering, like, Is this even possible? I think there are some serious structural issues with baseball that would kind of prevent this. Um, And, you know, I would say a couple things. If you're not familiar with basketball, uh, a lot of what you're seeing in basketball, this kind of player empowerment era, is just the result of perverse consequence, where um, Mm -hmm. uh, basketball players are not paid the top end of their salary, and so uh, do not really use salary as a measuring stick to choose where to go and right. therefore have uh, choose uh, their destinations based on other factors, more or less. Um, but, you know, there is also a much more limited minor league system. There's a much more limited apprenticeship uh, in basketball. There's, uh, you know, there's no baseball player who can provide like a quarter of the war of the best basketball players that, you know, LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo could are probably, like, 30 war players. Or, yeah. especially if you double the length of the season, would be, like, 40 to 50 war players. And, you know, there's just not that kind. Like, you can't make that up through transactions. You can only make that up through volume. Um, so, there, I think there are some, like, uh, real differences. But I think what you're also seeing is... This drive to shorter contracts and to player empowerment, none of which was intentional, have kind of led to a more exciting game. <laughs> and to, I would say, players being awarded more, perhaps at the cost of this top echelon talent has kind of brought up the, um, the value of the median player and the marginal player.
1: Yeah. Why do you think it's a more exciting game? Uh, off season, right? Just as a oh, okay. yeah structure.
2: Yeah, I don't think the game—it's like on the court changes, right? It's like right,
0: right. I mean, there is, you know, the one other thing is that kind of analytics, kind of point that towards basketball like should be more exciting, and towards baseball being more boring. <laughs> but that's kind of on on field stuff.
2: Yeah, I. Uh... Uh-huh. I don't know as much as you do about the NBA, but it's definitely been more interesting to me more recently. And I don't really love the like big picture like um, implications and justification for like a salary floor and a salary cap for uh, individual players and stuff like that. But it is fascinating to see how teams end up spending some of that money that might have gone to make sure that the very best players are paid what they're worth to like the middle tier players and then you've got like and i don't have any good examples off the top of my head but you probably do of like players that end up making way more money than you would have expected because the teams have this money to spend and they're not really competing based on money for the very best players so they end up competing based on money for the like mid-level players and that sort of like inflates the contracts for all those players as the you know competition ramps up for them um you know from like a financial perspective instead of anything else or those players are looking to like join forces with the very best players who have exercised their agency in a way that lands them in the destination that they like as opposed to with the contract that they like because the contract would be the same you know in so many different places
0: so right and in basketball you don't know the counterfactual right so I, i don't really know exactly how much Like Marcus Morris would be paid if he was a, uh, if there was no salary cap and no restrictions on salary, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but just in a, you know, in a baseball like world. But I I do feel like the middle class player is better treated and the veteran player is better treated in basketball than baseball at this point. And I do feel like more money is flowing towards um, players at their peaks. Uh, you know, restricted free agency is a really interesting concept that uh, basketball has that sometimes completely uh, you know, deflates the market for those players. Uh, sometimes it gets those players vastly overpaid, kind of running the roulette wheel there. Um, but, you know, junking arbitration, replacing it with restricted free agency might be interesting. I think shorter contracts allows for a little more movement perhaps at the expense of um overall salary you know the the 13 year 300 million dollar contract is really fascinating but it feels uh you know and you know agree to and you know in this libertarian world it is a contract that is agreed to um but you know i don't know how that is serving everybody right now um and you know, especially if it's coming at the cost of players down the line making money,
2: yeah, so I guess to make sure we're still focused on baseball, I'm curious, Jared, from your like economics perspective, like what do you think what do you think is like the most likely outcome if you assume that the CBA gets renegotiated in a way that is maybe a little bit more? balanced in terms of the player's perspective and then like what would you think is the best solution so like what will happen and what should happen or do you have any thoughts about either of those
1: gosh those are big questions I I don't know I I think that I do think that after the new CBA more money is going to go to younger players I think it just pretty much has to Mm
2: -hmm. At,
1: at this point I mean uh, how much is going to change? I, I don't know, but I, I don't see any way that that both sides get out of this without sh- funneling a little bit more towards the younger players. Uh, I think that's going to happen no matter what. In terms of what should happen, I, I don't know if I have an answer for that because there's a lot of different things to keep in mind. I don't know that there is one right answer here necessarily, and I think it requires some hard thought about what you want to optimize and hmm. you know thinking about. All sorts of things, like the the development system. I think we'd, we'd all agree that players, need, generally speaking, need a little bit more time to develop in baseball and basketball. How do you how do you keep that in mind? How do you keep the incentives for teams to develop their own players if they're going to go away more quickly? You know, that's something to keep in mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, is it necessarily a good thing for the middle-class players to be getting more money at the expense of the top-class players? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. There, that raises some philosophical and probably political questions, too, I. I don't know how I feel about that necessarily, so so I don't know. Um, you know, do you want do you want more fluidity like in in basketball now, where you know it seems like more players are switching teams more easily? Is that a good thing? I I don't know. Maybe maybe not for baseball. I could argue that maybe it's not as good.
0: Right, and maybe it's an aesthetic preference rather than.
1: Right. Yeah. I think I like, got for change, and I think a lot of stuff, change should happen, but it requires. I don't think there's any real way to know what happens. It requires a lot of thought and estimation about what what the ramifications of any change are. Yeah. But, you know, I think
0: the thing I would most like to see is probably more money going back to uh, the players versus the owners. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't see any of the long-term trends being in their favor with the current CBA. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. The players in baseball. Yeah. Do you yeah, think baseball. do you think the next CBA needs to track the total like whatever average annual value of the like the players salaries and contrast that against the like annual revenues in order for that to happen?
0: No. No, I don't think that's the only way, but it's it's a way that I could think of pretty quickly.
1: So mm-hmm. You know, it's a way. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all of us probably would be in favor of more money going to the players. The question is, how do you make that happen? It's not like the owners are just like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's
0: why the strike happens, right? Right, and and I would say, just as fans, I think more money going to the players makes a more interesting game. So that that would be my cards on the table other than it's the right thing to do, I also think it is generally better for the game.
1: That's fair. I don't think I disagree with that. Yeah. Um,
2: as part of this, and when you we were talking, Ian, I pulled up like NBA's homepage to learn that uh, there's a really big trade that's probably about to happen, uh, <laughs> Jesus. which you probably already know about. I don't know. No, I do. I do not. Houston, oh, oh. Houston, Oklahoma City.
0: Oh yes, Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, I, I do. This was. Uh, yeah, that... we're recording this on Friday. Yeah, or well, Saturday. It's
2: Saturday. Yeah. Did it break yeah. yesterday?
0: Yeah, it did break yesterday.
2: Okay. Yeah, I've been busy because my family is visiting, so I haven't been on the internet much at all. Uh, I was like, that's. I mean, that makes an already exciting offseason even more exciting, obviously. But, anyway. Uh,
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think, again, for people who aren't familiar with the NBA as a contract thing, uh, so this is Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, who are declining stars. Uh, It would be, I don't know that I can think of a great analog, but maybe, like, three years from now, Manny Machado being traded for Bryce Harper. (laughs) Maybe Uh, more than three, right, but... Yeah, but I would say exiting their prime, so three to five. Um, And, you know, the reason why this happened in basketball is uh, the salary cap restricts the choice of the teams. So basically, Oklahoma City could only trade to two teams. um, And... uh, Miami and uh, they were or they were interested in training to two teams. Miami and Houston, and Miami had to do uh, far too much um, roster manipulation in order to get stay under the cap. Um, and so Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul have identical contracts because they're maximum contracts and they are measured against the cap, so they are identical. and so they were able to be traded for each other. It was kind of a trade of I guess necessity almost or convenience, um, which is the kind of thing... Like, you don't have those forces in baseball. You don't have those restrictions, for good or ill. Um, I think you could argue, perhaps from a like uh, player empowerment standpoint, restric- those restrictions limit the players. I do think it makes... Um, like, dealing with constraints generally makes a more entertaining product. In gen- You
1: know? Um, I agree with that. My concern is, like, all that rationale for why that trade went down doesn't sound like something that would be enjoyable from, like, maybe, like, a typical baseball fan experience. Like, Manny Machado gets traded for Bryce Harper because of, like, the four other contract things and various exemptions and whatever. Yeah. I think, like, I I sort of think that's fun from, like, oh, that's the kind of, like, simulation game I would like to play. But from, like, watching baseball perspective, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know what they feel there. So I guess the other thing would be that in this hypothetical world, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper both requested trades for a reason or other. So that is the empowerment, right? <laughs> it comes at the cost of their salary. But they both kind of said we want out of here. Um and you know, I think that's the thing that keeps that is keeping basketball afloat in terms of excitement, uh you know, in the off season. Um but You know, I don't know that it could be mimicked by baseball and... Keeping it afloat is an understatement, though. Yeah.
2: Like, the NBA is dominating sports news at a time when... I mean, baseball is the only, uh, you know, game in season right now amongst the big four. But, you know, it's not like anybody's talking about hockey or football.
1: Um, Yeah, but do you think this is just going to be like a two-week stretch of basketball news?
2: Uh, yeah, on some level Yeah, but like Major League Baseball would kill for a 2 weeks' stretch like this <laughs> Like,
0: you know I don't know uh, Yeah, they've never had two weeks like this And, you know, I don't think there could even be Two weeks like this right. Um, And, right, and like baseball saying This is good, this is what we want to push for How do we get here Will lead to just a raft of unintended consequences Yes But, um, you know um it's it's interesting it's just uh, a lot to think about a process and obviously we have no say over any of it so speak for yourself <laughs> um are, anything else on this topic
2: no i'm all right i'm tucked out okay
0: <laughs> well that's good to hear uh in that case what is the best thing you saw this week
2: am i going first um so I actually, I kept a list cause it's been more than a week and I'm bad at remembering these things, but yeah. most of these things are recent. Uh, so I'll just give a couple of quick hits that didn't fit the best thing. and we won't talk about them in too much detail, but we can dive into any of them if you guys want. Um, so the home run derby was on there. We already talked about that. Um, the women's world cup was on there. I don't know if we want to dive into that or not. Maybe one of you will mention that. Um, more recently the angels threw a no-hitter was it last night or the night before um, which was pretty cool we had talked briefly offline about um, you know the tragedy that happened with um, one of their players yeah. and uh anyway i just thought the timing was was cool so i don't know if you wanted to dive Yeah well it.
0: I, I guess just to say, you know, one interesting thing that happens with score sheet or any fantasy score is you end up with transference over some players who are end up feeling like lines of stats or more than lines of stats. And a lot of that is to say, like, you know, this is extremely far down the list of tragedies, you know, that resulted from this. But we had Tyler Skaggs on two of our teams. We've had him on teams like every year we draft him. We drafted him pretty consistently And, you know, like, in that sense I feel like score sheet was our Window Or, like, you know It was our way into understanding him And, you know, his work And then, I guess, who he was Uh, you know, and so On some level, you know this <laughs> hit us hard because of this, like, stupid game That we pay too much for <laughs> Um but, you know, I think to the degree that it like we were able to feel his impact uh, through this uh, through this, I think it was um, you know, it's a blessing and to have seen what happened in that first game back was, yeah, just you know, uh, really something extraordinary.
2: Yeah. Um, so I have two other small ones and then I'll tell you the actual one. Um, so I watched on the basis of sex with my wife, which was interesting. It's about, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I, I don't think I knew anything about her really like five years ago. And then as part of some of the coaching that I do with some of the college women, I learned more about her cause there's a few of them that are big fans of her. And then, um, you know, recently the the Supreme Court turned over one of the justices, so I learned more about her then and then um of course learned even more watching the movie. The movie was interesting. Uh it sort of made me reappreciate there's like parts of it where they show um like parenting stuff, which is now like the lens through which I see things primarily. Um I was like holy cow, what is it like to be like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter? <laughs> But uh, I won't spoil the movie. You'll get to see it for yourself. Um, And then there was a cool Frisbee thing. Uh, The team that I capped in the summertime is like a co-ed team that was founded a few years ago trying to do work in our community around gender equity and stuff like that. And um, the season's looking really good, which is really exciting. And we had our first tournament, and we won, which was, like, the first time we'd ever really won a tournament. It's not like the tournament really means anything. It's just like a harbinger of good things coming. So that was cool. Um, we also got this cool. I'll show it uh, to you guys. Um, I'll describe it so that the people who are obviously just listening to the podcast. So the tournament is called Motown Throwdown and they gave us this. Don't
1: kid yourself. Nobody's listening to the podcast. Anymore. Okay.
2: Well, so they gave this like a uh, vinyl that says Motown oh, cool. disco on it. I like uh, that it's apparently a Thelma Houston record um, the The only tracks listed are uh, Saturday Night Sunday Morning and um, it says it's from the album Ready to Roll and then it's got like the different sections listed uh, uh, but anyway so the best thing that I saw this week was uh, related to my daughter because that's How everything goes. Um, She started using utensils which is like a fairly like innocuous thing but it's like also kind of fascinating it's just you know it's like one of those little things you're like that's it's like compelling to watch her learn I guess and so like it was one of those like little tiny milestones you are like watch her she's always been fascinated with like watching us eat and of course she eats with her hands because it's so easy uh and like why <laughs> wouldn't you if you could socially acceptable um but yeah it's like uh she's coming up on 18 months so it's not like amazing but it's a little bit notable and uh, that's why i don't end up watching home run derbies and stuff like that because we're hanging out and going on walks and all that kind of jazz so anyway
0: yeah that sounds touching. And I will say, um, you know, I can't remember when I learned to use utensils, but <laughs> what I like, admire most about myself is that I kind of just, for some reason, like stuck with my initial, the initial way that I hold a utensil
2: mm-hmm.
0: and just never really improved it. <laughs> so I do have like baby utensil.
1: Uh, can, can i tell you yeah. i'm the same way i was actually <laughs> my brothers are yelling at me because apparently i don't know how to eat salad like i'm not capable of eating salad with a fork so that doesn't I surprise me at all jaren yeah yeah
0: you just grab it for dear life and then you stab yeah, it's, <laughs> yes yes I, I don't i don't see what the uh she can't
2: she can't tell the difference between a spoon and a fork when she's holding them so you have to like mm-hmm. <laughs> Point out to her that the spoon won't stab things and then the fork won't scoop things. <laughs> uh, it's
0: pretty adorable. I'll be honest. <laughs> anyway. Um always exciting. Uh I guess I guess I'll go next 'cause I will go because i do not have anything so exciting, so I'll take that little anchor or the middle yeah. where where we bury everything. Um <laughs> The um, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly the things I saw that were the best things I saw were the things everybody else saw in basketball and soccer and you know sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just personally, went to a couple concerts this week, uh, both of which were uh, very exciting uh, to me. Uh, one of them, uh, one of my favorite bands who I've seen for a very long time, called Los Campesinos, um, who were uh, I saw for the eighth time now which was i know (laughs) that's uh, distressing um so the one thing i will say about uh the los campesinos concert is they managed to have um burned off like all of their casual fans at this point (laughs) because they just made it you know to the other end of the hype cycle where everyone else is like a diehard or you know gone (laughs) which eh, for good or ill for them but for us like it um they are a uh, kind of loud, kind of punky band and uh, a lot of chanting and everyone knows the words. So you get there and it, I would say the way I've described it is it's as close to being in the supporter section of a soccer match as I have mm-hmm. ever been. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of marks you have to hit, a lot of chant <laughs> going on the whole time. <laughs> and the the particular reason I bring this up, and Jared can vouch for me, is uh, before the time I was looking up some lyrics, and I I ended up on uh, Genius.com um, to uh, uh, you know take a look at their lyrics. Uh, their lyrics and their lyricist uh, Gareth is um, uh, focused on. Uh, well, it turns out he's focused on one major topic really, and, uh, you know, I've always thought of them as kind of heirs a a, a little bit to the Smiths and you know, Bell and Sebastian and that kind of um, like, witty, lyrical um, uh, you know, witty, clever lyrics perhaps replacing the casual racism of these (laughs) Smiths and Morrissey with uh, slightly better um, politics, but uh, you know I was looking and you know is are these songs about love are they about existential sadness and crisis sure but they're focused on one major topic and that topic is how many soccer references he can squeeze into the game uh, into a lyric before uh, before it ends so you know uh, if you ever if you go to their geniuscom page you can find this for yourself Um Basically, all their lyrics are soccer puns, which I admire. And, um, you know, I think uh, giving yourself to a lifetime of following sport uh, is about the noblest pursuit you can. And perhaps that is why I relate to them so much. Uh, it is not the best thing I saw this week, however, because I also went to another concert. And uh, this one I did not expect to uh, like as much as I did. I went to see... Uh, the artist Liz Fair, uh, who you may remember from, let's say, the '90s, <laughs> from such times as the '90s, um, and uh, I will say, um, I have become much more of a Liz Fair fan in the past couple of years. Obviously, is why I got there, but I was still surprised at how relevant and um, current the songs sound today, and. Listening to her It made me realize how much You know, I would say both the raves And whatever pans there were About her Like, how much she had to deal with In 1995 of Being, like, seen as the Like, I, I don't know Want to say, like, crude woman Like, you know, she's uh, She doesn't care She has no boundaries And, like, people saying that appreciatively it's Like, no, no this is just what is happening, and hearing it in two thousand nine, uh, two thousand nineteen, probably in two thousand nine as well. <laughs> um, you know, I guess in the in the times in which we live, and it's like, oh, this is this feels so current and so on message, and it was just the right. Music that we should have been listening to this whole time, rather than dismissing or being like, isn't it amazing that an actual girl can write music? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, whatever it was that uh, we were hearing back then. So, yes. if you have not dragged out Exile and Guyville in a very long time, uh, stick that on tonight. You'll enjoy it. So you're saying no, she just I I saw this week.
2: mistimed her window by a decade or more?
0: Yeah. I, w- I would say that, but uh, I would also say that every third indie artist now sounds like her. So <laughs> <laughs> she will not be lacking for support acts for the rest of her life. Uh, and with that, Jared, what is the best thing you saw this week?
1: It's also a concert. It wasn't this week, but it's it's also a concert. It's it's kind of like your story, except um, the opposite, maybe. I don't know what the right <laughs> way to say this is.
0: Sure. Well, I think uh, what we're saying is like the relevant and most critically acclaimed artists of the of their era,
1: right? Yes, I think, yeah, that's, that's what I, I would go with. I mean, so like the best thing, you know, was the Women's World Cup. But uh, when I was talking about, so this is a concert was a few weeks ago, and uh, I, I got roped into that. We had someone visiting from like our Colorado state office and she was in town and somebody else was supposed to hang out with her, but that fell through, so it was like me and this one other person. And we were just gonna get a couple drinks after work and we left a little early. It was like 4.30, 4.45. And we went to this bar, just completely packed. Could not find a seat anywhere. Went to like a second bar, just absolutely there was no one. Had to go to like three or four different bars before we found somewhere where we could go. I was like, I don't understand why is it so crowded? It's way too early for like us to not be able to go anywhere. And then this girl from out of town was like, Well, there's a concert at um, at Capital One Arena. And I was like, Okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but still, like, this is this kind of who could possibly be playing there? And and then so she told me, uh, she told us and. And I was like, well, we, so at this point we had a couple, you know, to drink, and it, it devolved into this game of like, well, well, I guess you know, if you'd go, I'd go. I'm not saying I'd go by myself, but like, if you guys want to go, I'd go. And I mean, I, I, whatever. Like, if you guys want to do it, fine. I'll tag along. I'm not saying we should go. And we sort of like daring, daring each other to do this. So, so just a, a few minutes after the concert was starting, we. Uh, we went by there, and then we ended up scalping some tickets because it was, like, mostly sold out, and um, there were three of us, but there weren't three seats together that the scalper had, so we had to get two together and a one seat somewhere else, and then we decided the three of us would just all stand in the two seats, which is someone who, like, doesn't love um, uh, human Personal contact. contact. Yeah, like, that was... <laughs> Not exactly what I was looking forward to. I mean, you know, you know, they were. Um, I, guess, I guess it helped that they were attractive, but like that even said, like just the fact of being next to people, I was like, like we could maybe not do this, but like no, we're like right, at this point we got to do it, and then we rush in, and um, you know, something that should have tipped me off is like uh, as I was walking, we, uh, the men's restrooms, most of them were closed off and turned into women's restrooms, and like it didn't register to me. I was like, oh, I just, I at first I thought it was like the men's restroom like wasn't functioning. I didn't understand like why. In hindsight, now I get why they, you no, know, they just turned into the. The restroom. And so we went and uh concert just like we got there just as it was starting, blew my mind, stood up the whole time, was like dancing, throwing my high in the air. It was, it was incredible. It was um, New Kids on the Block, <laughs> uh, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, Salton Pepper, and Naughty by Nature <laughs> in concert. And I'm not not really a concert person, but one of the best <laughs> concerts of my life. Just just absolutely stating. Um, I don't know if like it had meaning in the way that Ian talks about Liz Fair <laughs> having meaning necessarily, but like what, what struck me was that that um, what was fun about this was everybody was just there to have a good time. And everyone was like, you know what, like I'm gonna have a good time tonight. There was like no pretension on that level of anything other than we're we're gonna have a blast. It doesn't matter like who which artist is singing. It doesn't matter what song it is. There was a time where like new kids just went into this like essentially like 80s 90s karaoke, and they were singing songs from like. Various other artists, like who Who knows when, no one, they had like five different groups on the bill. They were singing songs from some other group, but like no one cared. There were songs everyone knew, like, you know, like, we're going to have fun We're have a good time. And it was like incredibly like overly produced concert that like, you know, there were platforms going up and coming down and people appearing out of nowhere and, you know, new kids going to the crowd and shaking people's hands and kissing. And it was like, it was incredible. It was just like everyone was having such a good time. It was a blast. I loved it. Could not recommend it highly enough. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So also, not as many people know G- Debbie Gibson as they should. Debbie Gibson is awesome, and everybody should love her music. Okay. Yeah. Can't well, that,
0: that's what I was gonna say. Was was Debbie Gibson the star? Like, who is the star of this
1: for you? Well, for me, that's what sold it for me. I mean, look, I probably would have gone no matter what, but the fact that Debbie Gibson is like, you know, I love Debbie Gibson. This is this is I'm like I'm sold. I'm in. I didn't, you know, I didn't really knew. I knew a couple new kids songs, but I was I wasn't. This is gonna be hard to believe. I wasn't really huge new kids on the block fan. You know? <laughs> what? <laughs> And obviously obviously I love Tiffany's. I think we're alone now. I shouldn't have named more than two Salt and Peppa or Naughty by Nature songs, and that's all they got to play. But it was still fun. Sure. Um, Okay,
0: rank the I think we're alone nows. Uh, Tommy James, Ruby News. Uh, Tommy James is always going to be first for me. Okay. Okay. I, I have had a I have long had the thought that every generation gets the I think we're alone now that they deserve. But well, what's the current <laughs> one then? We don't deserve anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But, what other versions um, are there? Uh well Tommy James went to number yeah. whatever, right? I and know then that, the Ruby, that, that's the one I know. Uh, the Ruby News went to number one, I believe, okay. in the seventies, right? did it really go to number one. I I believe it was uh, surprisingly uh, highly on the pop charts. And then, obviously, Tiffany. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: it, it, it a is, Allowed and there's a Girls Aloud version. Oh,
1: yes! Girls Aloud! When yeah, I, of <laughs> course. That was a great version. I I don't think that. I've heard it. I'm going to listen to that, yeah. and then I'm going to listen to this fair. But first, I'm going to listen to yeah.
0: Girls Aloud. Uh, Girls Aloud is you know, the best girl band of the... ever. Ever. Uh, that's a bold statement. I don't know. <laughs> the best girl band. Ever. Not not, ba- not band filled with women, but, you know, of the, like, Spice Girl and yeah. Generation. Spice player. Girls had a movie. Though. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, but I, I think We're Alone Now, uh, one of the greatest songs ever written. No doubt in my mind. I have no yeah, the Ruby News went to number 45 on the charts, which is still surprisingly high. Yeah, not number one, though. And Girls Alive went to number four in the UK, which is uh, uh, not as high as, you No know, advice or sound of the underground. But <laughs> high nonetheless. Um, yeah, and uh, my, yeah, uh, I, I just hope you had an amazing time. And uh, that you are, in fact, hanging tough.
1: (laughs) Sure am.
0: Okay, on that note, I think we have spent enough time. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be back with uh, something of a trade deadline special. Please send your trades if you made it this far. For those trades, uh, you know, trades you've thought of in your head, trades you're deciding right now, Uh, maybe even, you know, ask us to trade anything, really. (laughs) We'll do it on air for you. Uh, please send us a note at at scoresheetatbaseballperspectives.com. We'd love to hear from you. But until then, on behalf of Ben Murphy and Jared Weiss, I'm Ian Lefkowitz. Thanks again, and have a great day.